You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright. The power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected. A place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California. How are you all? Are you ready for a really tremendous show? Tonight, we have a very special guest, Barnett Bain, who is an award-winning motion picture producer, director, writer, with film credits of such great movies, such as Celestine Prophecy, Jesus, also known as the Jesus film, and the upcoming movie with Eckhart Tolle. Barnett just wrote a new book called The Book of Doing and Being, Rediscovering Creativity in Life, Love, and Work. And Barnett and I really have some profound conversations tonight, so I really think you're going to love the show, so stay tuned. Now, I want to talk to you about the power of your words tonight. Somebody recently chastised me for saying the word unbelievable, saying that the word is lower vibration and it tells the universe a different message from what I wanted to express. And this really, really made me think. So I started examining everything and I came up with this conclusion. A word is not an energy being. It it doesn't produce any energy within itself. The only thing that gives that word a vibration is my belief surrounding that word. And truthfully, I really like the word unbelievable because to me this means amazing, delightful, magnificent. So to me, my belief around the word is extremely positive. And this is the belief and energy that I place into the universe to be read. If the universe is this huge energy source that created everything through love, well, it's smart enough to decipher my personal energy surrounding the word because the outcome flows into my personal hologram, which creates my personal life. Just to make an even more poignant point, words have different meanings, like a dam that holds water, and dam, which is considered to be a curse word. And the term Allah is good for many people, and yet it's also a term that is considered bad by many people. The same can be said for Jesus. Many people use it as a curse word, and many use it as a holy word. Or... Let's take the word heaven. It could mean the moon or stars or the universe, or it could be a place to land in the afterlife. So when it comes to the words you speak, fill out what your beliefs are behind them 
And if you get something that you didn't want, look into your beliefs behind your spoken word. And when somebody does not like you using a certain word, well, that's based on their belief of the word. That's their problem, not yours. If they don't want to hear your belief around the word as you're explaining it to them, then that might mean that you're talking to a person in which you can't be your true self. This person may not allow you to speak or live your own truths in order for you to remember. I personally decided to walk away from this person and just quietly stay away. I didn't come here to meld into what someone else thinks I should say or be. I came here to remember. It's an individual thing and one that I will not ever compromise on. This brings us to another point. You are here on this planet to remember. This means that you already know everything. You know the past, you know the present, and you know the future. You already know everything. When you find yourself drawn to a subject matter, that means that you are simply resonating with the subject. This is you remembering. When someone tells you that you must believe in their way in order to belong or in order to be liked, like many religions tell you to do today, well, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to remember that you came to this planet to experience a life based on memories and beliefs, not to come here to live someone else's beliefs. You are perfect the way you are. You don't need to change unless you feel the need to change. You don't need to accept another's belief. You have exclusive right to your own mind and to the way you think. Having said that, in order to have a happy coexistence, you must be able to tolerate another's belief. That's their choice and they have the right to believe in that without judgment. You can always walk away with a smile on your face because you know who you are. You know what you resonate with and you know that you are remembering what it is that you are supposed to be remembering. You don't need a guru to tell you anything different. You just need to fully engage in what you came here to accomplish and that is to remember. That's it. Doesn't that make life a lot easier? <laughs> I think so. So let's take a fast commercial break and we'll be right back. So if manifesting $10,000 within the next 90 days sounds good to you, then listen up. Because we have a proven system that hundreds of people have already used to manifest tens of thousands of dollars. And right now, we're getting ready to launch a new study and we're looking for 100 qualified participants who desire to manifest $10,000 or more within the next 90 days. This is a no money down opportunity and we're looking for 100 people only for the study. So to find out if you qualify, head over right now to manifest10k.com. That's manifest, then the number 10 and the letter k.com. 
Manifest10k.com. You're listening to Law of Attraction Radio Network, enhancing the well-being of millions of listeners worldwide. LOARadioNetwork.com is heard through 25 different internet radio stations, as well as iTunes Radio, Stitcher.com, and our mobile apps. The Law of Attraction Radio Network, your trusted source of daily inspiration at LOARadioNetwork.com. It's here, it's hot, and it's a must-read. It's the science behind The Law of Attraction magazine. Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite Law of Attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. Go to lawofattractionmagazine.net. That's lawofattractionmagazine.net. Okay, we are back, and you are listening to Law of Attraction Talk Radio with Jules. Well, the Law of Attraction magazine is now out, and we are getting some really, really great reviews. I've been getting some terrific emails about my article on the trip to Nigeria and what it means for world peace. Many have said it's intriguing and just full of all kinds of vital information on what we can do collectively to bring about world peace. And yes, world peace is possible in our lifetime, in my lifetime. So let's move mountains together. We also have got terrific articles on wealth and um, there is this really terrific recipe on raw peanut butter cookies. That is so good. Yes, I tried it and it's delicious. It's amazing that something that healthy can taste so good. So if you want to read the June issue, which features Foster and Kimberly Gamble and their exclusive articles on the Law of Attraction, I'm going to let you in on a secret. If you go to Law of Attraction Radio Network and choose the LOA magazine, you can read the entire June issue for absolutely free. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com and hit the menu for LOA magazine and you will be redirected to where you can read the entire magazine on your iPad or tablet or computer or even your cell phone. This is just my thanks to you for being a part of my life. I don't think you realize how much I appreciate each and every single one of you. You and your energy has touched me to keep on expanding. So thank you. And enjoy the magazine, LOARadioNetwork.com and click on LOA Magazine. Also, our Love Attraction Singles Cruise is going great guns. June 13th is the cutoff date for the early bird prices. This means that the rates are going up. So secure your place now by paying your deposit. You'll be so glad you did. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com slash love-boat. Now, 
Let's talk to award-winning motion picture producer and director Barnett Bain, who lives in Santa Monica, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump from here. I think that you're really, really going to appreciate everything he says. And if you want to find out more information about Barnett or to read his latest and greatest book, go to barnettbain.com. Well, welcome, Barnett, to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I am thrilled to have you on my show today. I'm so pleased to be here. This has been a long time coming. You and I are very much moving the same circles, and so I'm tickled to connect with you at last. At last. And, you know, I have been reading all about you, and you have got some of the wonderful things about uh, creative intelligence. And I just love that. That's really what spirituality is about, creative intelligence. And you've nailed it. You have absolutely nailed it. And that's why I think having you on my show is going to reveal a lot, a lot to my listeners. Well, I I hope so. I I couldn't agree with you more. Creativity is love's labor, and so is spirituality. So uh, I come at it as um, a way to speak about spiritual and creative matters in a manner that is maybe a little more um, approachable and accessible to more people. That's important, especially right now in the history of the planet. We are waking up to our true power and and that power is the ability to really create anything that we are desiring or that we are passionate about and i think that's exactly what you're talking about but before we get into your um really terrific book uh the book of doing and being i i really like to um talk about releasing the stories of the past and why is that so important uh, as part of the creative intelligence? Well, first I think it's, thank you for asking this question because it is uh, the key question to all uh, creativity and, and I believe also it's a key spiritual question. We have to begin by understanding that we are conditioned um, by our environment, by our early upbringing, our parenting, our religious experience, our educational experience, our media experience, our community experience, the life we're born into it. I call it the, because I'm a movie guy, I call it the primary scenario in which all of the characters have already been cast and they're all wearing their makeup and their hair is done and they all have the costumes and they all have their backstories and their values. And then we come in as little, little people. <laughs> We're just dropped in there. Yeah. And uh, we become molded. We either become, we either are drawn to the experiences that are around us or we push away from them. We react to them. But in either case, whether we're drawn to them or we, we push away from them, they define us. And so we have hand-me-down lives. Mm-hmm. Now, there's 
we have the opportunity to have handmade lives too. But only once we realize the degree to which our thinking and our feelings and our choices and the emotional triggers that, that we respond to are all the result of being born into this primary movie. Uh, when we understand that and we understand the depth of it, only then can we feel it and only then can we uh, acknowledge it and make peace with it and let it go. Until we really understand that, you can't sell a car that you don't uh, have the pink slips to. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the, the, it's very, it's a part of the process of, uh, of loving and growing is to recognize the stories that we live inside of. So, could you tell us the story of your past and what got you even looking at this as um, a block? I don't, I don't really use that kind of language, uh, the block. And the reason I don't is because it uh, makes a presumption that we're in a struggle. And also it makes a presumption that there are that there's a menu like cards being dealt in a hand that there's a few blocks and if you get past them um life becomes uh something else uh so it's not so much i don't treat it in that way you know life is um life is a a gorgeous uh process of becoming it's not a process of crossing finish lines and so it's not so much blocks for me. It is the understanding. Uh, well, uh, let me be really specific. Mm-hmm. When I was born, uh, when or before I was born, let's even go before that. This is how this is how far back it goes. When my mother was carrying me, uh-huh. she was in uh, the middle of a divorce. She was nineteen years old. Uh, she already had a four-year-old child. Uh, she was going on 20, so at 16 she'd had her first child, and she was carrying me and, uh, and in the process of a divorce and very uh, concerned about her future and filled with anxiety and shame and humiliation and um, fear and worried about money and worried about all kinds of things. Now, as I'm being carried in the womb, her chemicals of emotion and mine are one. I am mm-hmm. precognitive. I'm, this is even before I'm able to have my, my neocortex functioning where I can think in terms of logic and reason. And so my limbic brain is purely attuned to body sensation and viscera and all of her chemistry and all her anxiety and all of her fears and all of her thoughts it's like one big martini, uh, one cocktail, and we're both drinking it. So before I am even um, born, my system is um, being programmed, blueprinted, with anxieties that are not my own, and they're pre-verbal. Mm. When we come out into the world, uh, this continues uh, for quite some time. So this is the degree uh, to which we um, enter the world pre-programmed. It's not really, you know, in our community, we are so enthralled with our um, 
seven steps to this and our five steps to the other thing. We have such, we're so enthralled of um, processes that we uh, think will liberate us. And they do set us increasingly, they give us more and more freedom. Right. To peel back more and more layers of the onion. But there is a, a conditioning that we are not in touch with. Uh, that um, the gaining uh, in, of intimacy uh, of which uh, allows us to have a very different perspective on life. And on the other side of, of, well, I'm not on the other side of that, so I can't speak to what's on the other side of it. But in the process of becoming close and tender and intimate with the defining stories that are the womb in which thought and belief and choice and decision and feeling and attitude and all of the things, all of the raw materials of reality creation that we are aware of, inside of that womb, those take shape. But unless we, and until we become intimate with the very womb in which those um, elements take shape, we are not uh, truly uh, free. So we, it is the equivalent to moving the furniture around in the house. Right. Um, is, that, is that helpful? Does that give Yeah, it, it really does. It, it's, it's really, um, we are coming in regardless of our stories afterwards, but we're coming in with already our parent or our, our mothers, and I think it actually goes beyond that because it's gone many generations because of the DNA yes. from our ancestors. So we're picking up a whole bunch of goodies. Well, you're, we're picking up goodies, and inside of that superseding uh, generational sto story, inside of that, we um, put together a life. Uh, what we're coming to understand is the life we put together that we uh, address through all sorts of love and all sorts of growth and all kinds of, um, of uh, spiritual and psychological practices that give us more and more room. We are coming to understand that the room that we are gaining still exists inside of a, of a bubble of a primary story. Yeah. And, uh, it is the becoming intimate with that story. It's that story. On the other side of that, we, um, we will experience something um, brand new, a virgin experience of what it is to be alive. Inside the story, we can make all sorts of adjustments that are fun and uh, have more flow and have more abundance and have more prosperity, but they have abundance and prosperity in terms, in the terms of the recipe of the cake, if you, if you follow the metaphor. Right. Where it's still, in, it's still inside a given recipe and the transformation um, that is happening, that is lies in wait for, as a potential for uh, those willing to grasp it and destined to grasp it, a destiny both chosen and self-chosen, is not a better version of what was, although that's there too, and many of us are already experiencing that. It is not what was version 2.0 or improved. It is something very different. And it's 
part of the creative intelligence. Yes, it is part of the creative intelligence. It is the creative intelligence. Okay. And um, there are hallmarks of it that we can begin to see as we explore uh, the assumptions that we make about what life is. We can begin to recognize some of the hallmarks. Um, for one thing, the nature, uh, the enchanted nature of, of aliveness, the enchanted nature of our connection to all things. All things are in constant communication with us personally because all things are one. And so at the level of attunement that we are operating from, we can uh, tune into all things, all of which are freighted with meaning and all of which are in personal communication with us. That is an astonishing, astonishing um, piece to let in. But how do you let these signs or this communication from everything that is mm -hmm. come into your life? How do you open up to see the messages that connects us all? Well, some of it is um, we have certain kind of calibrators. We have senses, five senses, sight, sound, smell, touch, taste. Mm -hmm. These are the senses by which we calibrate the outer world. We also have senses by which we calibrate the um, hidden worlds. And by hidden, I, they aren't hidden at all. They are simply the world that exists beyond, the world as it exists beyond the five senses. We are in that original blueprinting, that encoding that we spoke about earlier, that first story, mm -hmm. the bubble of that first story that's generational. Uh, it screens out. Um, it screens out what it, what it, it screens reality out, and what it admits uh, is reality that is appreciable, that we can um, that we can perceive through the five senses, and that we can make um, stories about through logic and reason. Um, there is a world that beyond that that um, exists beyond the border of logic and reason and beyond the border of the five senses. For example, um, people are beginning to open to uh, another sense, um, gut instincts and intuitions. Mm -hmm. um, they are beginning to open to a sense of the flow of things, that we have a, an appreciation of that there is a movement of consciousness, there is an evolution of consciousness, and if we are attuned to it, we can actually feel it like movement, like we can feel ourselves being attracted toward it. Exactly. There are feelings of uh, warmth, and I don't mean warmth in the sense of temperature, but the warmth or coldness of another human being, or anything else that is conscious for that matter. Uh, we walk into a room and we have a uh, we have an immediate sensing, if we attune to it, of the warmth of another individual, of the aliveness of another individual. Sometimes we call that charisma, but it's really about the aliveness, the soul vitality of, of it, how, how uh, the amount of clutter that stands between the soul's expression 
mm-hmm. um, as at the personality level. Um, and um, we can tune into that very quickly. We tune into that. So there are all kinds of senses, uncommon senses, as opposed to the common senses that we are beginning to discover. And what they all have in common, what they all do have in common is that they're in the body. So we, um, we don't experience ourselves very much as uh, embodied consciousness. Uh, it's a paradox because we're incarnated, or so we believe, but most of the time I know that I spend a lot of my day in my head. Right. Um, Im- impulses come or um, experiences come and some of them beautiful and some of them that make me tense and I immediately shuttle out of my body up into my head where I try to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, we learn to do that very, very young. We learn to do it very, very young. You know, maybe we're, maybe I'm being held by my mother and no matter how good we are as parents, a parent can never ever meet the needs of another human being. So maybe my mother however wonderful she was maybe um she was on the phone while she was feeding me and and i wanted attention and i didn't get it (laughs) and so as a small person you don't know how to handle that sort of thing you don't know how to handle the energetics of longing and unfulfilled desire it's too much for that tiny little nervous system so we shuttle out and we shuttle up into the up into the head and it at the point at which our neocortex is starting to develop and we are beginning slowly to, to learn how to process uh, higher thinking, executive function, logic, mm-hmm. reason. Now I'm starting to learn how to make sense out of my experience. And so I start by making a story. She doesn't love me or I'm bad or I'm wrong or I'm defective or I did something wrong or she's doing something wrong. We start making stories we i think this is what the adam and eve tale is about biting the the tree of knowledge we we once we bite the tree of knowledge we take up residence there right and it becomes a habit and we start we start to more and more we retreat we shuttle up into the head and pretty soon we have uh, maps of memory. Our, our memory are—it's literally encoded in our brain as neural maps, and we just get comfortable there, and forget our bodies. We have a very little sense of the body aliveness of the uh, energy, the chi that is moving at all times through our bodies. And I know, um, unless I slow down and pay very, very close attention or I do breath work of some kind, I have no sense whatsoever of the aliveness of my body. It's just something that carries around my head most of the time. Right. So your book, the book of doing and being, is basically about this and how we are within our body and we're doing things, but we're being conscious now of being. Is that correct? Well, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, the book is about uh, lots of things that we've discussed, things that we haven't discussed. It's also about um, 
techniques. Um, I, I live around lots of young people, and they like to talk about hacks, technology <laughs> hacks. So lots of creativity <laughs> hacks so that if you want to um, 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 be a, a painter or a musician or create a symphony or a circus or a relationship or a relationship with yourself or a relationship with a significant other, um, or a business, these are all creative acts, and they all require um, a, an intimacy with a certain kind of not only doing, we know how to do, but there are lots of techniques and uh, there's lots of techniques and practices in the book, more than 40 around doing, as well as many, many practices that have to do with being. Being is the state that holds doing. When we're, whatever we're doing, whether it's tying shoes or, or driving to pick up the milk or take the kids to school, that uh, activity takes place in a being state. And it is the being state that uh, defines, that holds the possibility uh, for uh, the successful completion of the doing. If I am, uh, if I have um, all the technique and skill in the world at running a business, uh, but my being state is perpetually calibrated to struggle, mm -hmm. then the doing will be inflected with struggle. The um, being state is not something that, ex that exists in the head. Being states only exist in the body. The head sort of hijacks them, but being states uh, have to do with uh, our emotional states. And so the big secret of the book of doing and being is that... Um, the, and the big secret to creativity and to, and to a spiritual um, elegance is that intimacy with our emotional states embodied, not as thoughts about our emotional states, uh, leads to, uh, gives us access to all sorts of creative gold and all sorts of intimate gold and all sorts of um, states of exuberance and states of flow and passion and compassion. And then the, uh, the doing aspect of actively expressing those states, that becomes in service of something very, very different. The agendas and the goals become very, very different from uh, uh, from can I uh, get the job, can I get the girl, can I get the car? Yes, you can have all of those things. We can all have all of those things. Beyond that, there's more. So what is the more? What's the bottom line that we should be striving for? You know, success, and, and there's a lot of people that are just striving for, for success, but success is just a word it's it's not the emotion of being happy or or a being you know the, what is the bottom line that we need to really look at achieving 
Well, it's different for it's different for everyone, and so I, I wouldn't uh, presume to make a prescription for everyone because people operate at their own levels and at their own pace of love and their own pace of growth. I will say that every story is a love story. Mm. Every action is a response to love. It is a longing for love. Even the most vile and depraved, meaning people, these, these people who are psychopathic in Iraq now, the ISIS people, Mm-hmm. Underlying, what are they doing? They they have, they are meeting a very deep spiritual and creative needs. They have a sense of community. They belong. They have a sense of purpose, and a sense of meaning. This is what we all want to be known, to be seen. Now they are doing it out of a out of a, a disintegrated, depraved expression of it. We always come to love either through joy or, or through pain. The, the, the pain will take us to the same place. Exactly. You know, at the bottom of pain is, uh, the, the, at the bottom, bottom of the darkness of pain, there is beauty. You remember 9-11? Mm-hmm. So we know things like people, young boys and girls on, the, on battlefields who are, terrified out of their life within an inch of their lives they suddenly have access access soul access to what is beautiful and good and true about them so all i will say is that everyone functions at their own level and their own pace of growth but it is always threading back to what we said earlier about the movement of things we are always being pulled toward at the same time as we are ourselves rushing toward spiritual growth and love and connection and a sense of the enchantment, the oneness. Okay, let's go back there for a second because you're you're touching on a very important topic. You talked about ISIS. Well, I just got back from Africa right next. I was in Nigeria right next to the place where Boko Haram was roaming and taking all those girls. What is, and, and I can appreciate that they have a sense of belonging and, and they're feeling good about what they're doing according to their beliefs. They may not be feeling good about it. It's not about whether they're feeling good about it or not good about it. Uh, it is that what drives all human endeavor, all consciousness, what drives all consciousness is um, is an inbuilt, a baked-in uh, trajectory toward wholeness. And so this, uh, this psychopathic behavior is a misguided attempt to find a meaning and value and connection. You may notice that all wars are, these days are holy wars. Oh, yes. All wars are spiritual wars. All wars at the bottom of that uh, holy war uh, mentality. Um, even below that, they are all chauvinist wars. Yes. Yeah. They are all and underneath chauvinism, which is not simply as vile as it is a, a violence towards women and a castration of what it is to be a man. Underneath it is an elevation of will and action, of doing 
over connecting and feeling of being. Underneath all chauvinism is an elevation of doing over being. And to the extent that in our own lives, we elevate doing over emotional aliveness. Then we have, um, we perpetuate in our own lives chauvinism. I'm not equating it. I'm not equating it to anything vile. I'm not making that connection at all. Yeah. I'm just saying that the degree to which we um, are participants in our own cocktail, our own equation of chauvinism, is the degree to which we shut out our own creative potential and we are locked inside of that original story that goes back many generations. Uh, the freedom beyond that uh, lies on the other side of uh, understanding our own chauvinism. Not that it needs to be expressed like these psychopaths in Africa or in Asia or in the Middle East or, or down the block here in, in, uh, in anywhere USA, but that it begins with us understanding in our own lives uh, how am I, um, how do I hold, how do I value my embodied visceral experience? Am I even intimate with it relative to my strategic thinking? How much of my spiritual growth is about getting stuff? Uh, and which is fine. It's beautiful. And how much of it is about, um, how much is it about being intimate with my emotional life and uh, with my sense of connection and community, with my own aliveness? Do I have a sense of what my own aliveness is as an experience in my body? Mm-hmm. Is that something that that I can put my hand up and say, I'm aware of that, I own that? Oh, yes, I can put up my hand and say, yes, I'm a sportsman. I know how to uh, run five miles a day. I'm not talking about achievement. Right. I'm talking about the aliveness of my own body at rest. Interesting. So touching back on this thing, I want to know how are we as beings are supposed to be um, or what are we to do about these things going on, these psychopaths? Are we just to accept them or are we supposed to do something to um, rid ourselves? I mean, well, we, the, the uh, question, the interesting thing, if you look at the question, the question was, as you put it, is what are we supposed to do? So we are conditioned by habit mm-hmm. and constantly reinforced uh, in this notion that we can uh, think our way out of, that we can outthink life and that there are things we can do to respond to the challenges of aliveness. There are also um, ways we can be to respond to the challenges of aliveness. And um, it is a premise of the book of doing and being that we, have, we are expert in doing. And we have, we, all the doing 
that has gotten us here this far will not take us farther. It will not take us where we want to go because we are leaving the other half of the equation behind. Uh, it, how are we? How how can we be such that uh, the challenges that we face um, begin to find some solution and resolution? Right. right. That's a different conversation. How can we be? Uh, that involves uh, beginning to develop a relationship with our own being. We're human beings. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we live in a uh, God-filled uh, universe, and we uh, uh, have a love affair with, with our doing nature, which is... Um, which unfortunately comes at the expense of having abandoned our being nature. So um, the solutions to finding um, paths to this new world are individual. We do, we, we come to the world individually. Okay. And then the wonderful, beautiful, beautiful irony is that uh, when uh, when I come to the world individually, when you come to the world individually, you change it for everyone. Because it's enchanted. We're all one at some level. So by thinking of these issues, and not necessarily doing, but by thinking on them individually, we are doing something. Um, I would say by thinking about them, we have some impact, and uh, it's the kind of impact that we're comfortable with, because we're comfortable around thinking. Um, But thinking is a skill set that is held inside of something much larger. If I am not my thinking, uh, do I exist? If you are not your thinking, do you exist, Jules? That's that's a brilliant question. Well, I can help you with the answer. You do. I do exist. You do exist, whether you are thinking or not. Okay. There Certainly there are some times when you think more, and there are some times when you think less, and there are some times when you practically don't have a thought at all, times of such exquisite well-being. Can you recall such a time? Oh, yes. So then it is accurate, fairly accurate to say beyond thinking, we, uh, we still exist. Yes, I can there see is, that now. The thinker, there is a being that does the thinking. So who's the being that's doing the thinking? <laughs> the being that, is, uh, that has the capacity to think that being has the capacity to uh, be. It's the being hold is, a, is almost like a womb that holds the space for lots of kinds of capacities, including thinking. Wow, this is deep. This is really great information. Oh, I'm glad. I hope it's helpful to you. I hope it's helpful to people that are listening to us. 
Oh, it's powerful, powerful. Because what I love about it is that you're making me think in a new direction. Uh, it's it's very powerful. Uh, and it's creative. And I'm hitting that creative nerve. It's like, wow, this is yeah. so phenomenal. This is really good. Boy, I, I got to tell you, I got to tell the audience, this is a book to read. <laughs> You're terrific. Well, I hope that people uh, will uh, read it, and I hope that they will uh, make use of the practices and that they will play with them. And um, there's, not, there's not any right or wrong to how they are experienced, uh, but they will uh, open some channels to new ways of being in the world um, because we are already very expert, all of us, particularly those in our community, uh, Jules, in the community that you and I move in. Mm-hmm. Uh, our community is very gifted and very talented, uh, very expert. They are masters of, of laws of attraction and they are masters of all sorts of um, uh, spiritual practices. Uh, we, they have, we have an uncommon uh, ability to operate at the very fringes, at the very boundaries and borderline of what uh, the consensus world understands mm-hmm. as, um, as human potential. And we can add on to it as well because Beyond that mastery of concept and idea, beyond it lies uh, an entire field. I think there, what was that wonderful, I'm going to mangle it now. I think it's a roomy poem that goes something like out beyond the field of time and space. There's a, or out beyond time and space, there's a field, I'll meet you there, something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, out beyond logic and reason, there is a field. So one of the hallmarks, we, we mentioned one, a couple of them earlier, another of the hallmarks of what lies uh, in store for us as spiritual beings, growing, expanding, the idea of what it is to be a, a human being, out beyond our ability to be, have strategies and, uh, and have um, formulas and have steps out beyond logic and reason, there is something more beyond logic and reason. So we want to begin to be attuned to what exists beyond logic and reason without losing sight of logic and reason, without abandoning it. But there is more. Um, beauty itself is not logical or reasonable. And that's one of the divine gifts uh, that um, shines through and calls to us, uh, calls to us every moment, summons us, summons us um, beyond logic, beyond reason, into the more of what it is to be a divine, to be part of a divine intelligence. Not all intelligence is logical. Not all intelligence is thought-based. The world is nature is all shivering in ecstasy not for a uh, not because it is um 
delighting only in its thinking capacity. So beauty is a is uh, the divine shining through cracks in our logic and reason. I like um, all beauty is a direct direct communication from the divine. Mm. There's nothing logical about it. In fact, it scrambles our ability to, look, to be logical and reasonable. What is beauty? Beauty is the simultaneous experience of of great excitement and great peace. At the same time, the brain, the logic can't handle that. Try think about that. You can't. We can't think about that. We can't handle it. <laughs> That's true. And uh, that is a breadcrumb. It is a trail of enchantment that is left for us. It's there everywhere for us to discover, to pick up the trail like a beautiful hound dog on the scent of something. Sniff up that trail, follow that trail. Because beyond this, this love affair with thinking that we have with the straight line, there is uh, the poetry of being. And it is beautiful. And yes, the doing world is God-filled. And um, the doing world in a co-creation with being states that is something brand new for us on this planet and that is something brand new in the history of what it is to be a human being exactly because we are expanding yes uh, and life is changing when you first did your first movie it's the people have changed dramatically since then up to now. It's like there is a fast movement of change spiritually in our beings in recognizing so many new things. There's more to understand. It's, it's just a brilliant time to be alive, to experience this. I, I just feel so blessed. Yeah, I'm with you. And you're absolutely right. When I did my first movie, uh, my first movie was Jesus, the Jesus film. Uh-huh. And um, my idea of life and of spirituality was um, beautiful and, but, and very predictable. Mm-hmm. It was uh, very much an understanding, um, a biblical understanding and um, over the years, by the time I, I moved, for, by the time I, I, I'd gone from Jesus to what dreams may come, mm-hmm. the um, awareness, uh, my exploration, my willingness to discover and to be discovered by spirituality, the, the story of how I held spirituality had changed dramatically from um, spirituality being a narrowly defined, um, though beautiful, story of, of love and and guidance to an experience of uh, all things. There is only spirituality going on, and that the practice of, exper- of spirituality, for me, uh, uh, had become one of threading together 
uh, my particular relationship with all that is in such a way that I could feel my own connection, my own tenderness uh, being held as a part of, of, of this oneness, of this enchantment. That um, what dreams may come already was quite some time ago. Um, the films that I make are always reflections of my own spiritual uh, ruminations and my own spiritual journey. It's sort of like doing long division where you show your work. <laughs> and so now I'm making a film uh, based on a story by Eckhart Tolle and uh, about a little boy who's very stressed out. His parents are having financial issues and um, relationship issues and they are working very, very hard and um, they look like, you know, they have to be workaholics in order to survive and there's all sorts of behaviors that are going on there that seem to be very, very normal. Lots of doings. A lot, a lot of doing this is going on. Um, and the impact of it uh, on the boy is that he does not feel that he is the priority in the parents' lives. And of course, there are all sorts of explanations and reasons because the mind always has an explanation to support its agenda. Right. And, uh, but the evidence of the movie is that the boy is neurotic. And the boy is neurotic because the parents are neurotic. Um, and the irony is that the parents' behavior looks perfectly normal. We all do it. Uh, you know, we all do it. It's, it is a um, imbalance of doing, untempered by being. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's what the movie's about. And fortunately for this little boy, he has a grandfather who uh, is in the end zone of his life, who is a career military person and who is a bad father and a terrible husband. And, and now at the having lost many, many friends over in many wars and um, had his heart broken many times. He, uh, like Humpty, he, he, unlike Humpty Dumpty, managed to put himself back together again. And he has a total embodied presence. Not total, but not total, but quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And he is in his body, in his world, in, uh, aware of his emotions, not getting lost in them, but not denying them, not overthinking things, not ruminating, not lost in the past, not obsessing about the future, in the present. And when uh, he is with that boy, that boy feels seen and heard and that he matters and that he is loved not for who, what he does, but for who he is. And that he is free in the eyes of his grandfather to become more than his grandfather, less than his grandfather, different than his grandfather, to become his own person mm -hmm. without uh, risking the loss of love. So all of these can only be imparted to another human being from someone who is in their bodies, feeling their body aliveness. It doesn't happen through the head because the head is detached. The head is not a being state. I get it. I get it. That's that's brilliant. When is this movie coming out? 
We're shooting it in September, so I'm not sure when our listeners will be listening to the show. So it'll be out in um, in 16. Oh, in 2016? End of 2016. Oh, wow. Great. Well, I hope you'll come back on and tell us when it's airing so that we can uh, go and watch it. Theaters, so you'll... you'll um... You will definitely, I will be happy to come on then and anytime you'll have me. I really am loving speaking with you and and I hope that it's valuable. Oh, yes, it's extremely valuable. And with that, we are all out of time. You are so wonderful and I can see why you make such terrific movies it's because you are a great storyteller but you really get into the real nitty-gritty the 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 basis of us being our humanists so it's just wonderful thank you so much barnett thank you it was such a pleasure to be with you here today jules and i look forward to the to the next time Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.